you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast makes better scrambled eggs than Rob Gronkowski. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wow. What, it is so great to have a nice slate of games on this Sunday. Mm. The NFL rightly took is taking a lot of heat in the first uh, month and a half, two months of the season. Uh, uh, and last Sunday was maybe the nadir in, ter- in a lot of ways for the games. But this week, sp- especially a couple games in particular, we got back to some competitive pigskin, and I like it. <laughs> Stepping up their game, football is, with World Series as competition. Mm, yeah. yeah, the end of the early games was thrilling. And then I liked that at the, in the afternoon, just two games, but they're both outstanding matchups. They both come down to the end. Good day for football. Good day for football. A lot of games. Mark looks like he disagrees. Mark, you okay? I am, I am still gathering my thoughts after a pre-pod conversation where Greg acknowledges – and we talk about Greg maybe having no childhood, which I would defend the opposite way, that he must have been a child at some point. Has never heard of the Hardy Boys. That's not true. That is exactly what are. you said. I don't know what they dress like. I just know there's something that exists. I never, I never read well, peel it. Back it is the, unbelievable. Peel back the curtain. This is because at the Halloween party last night, Mark came dressed as the Hardy Boys. Well, Which is what he's dressed as right now. <laughs> I wore this last night to a Halloween party because I don't have. I went. To, well, you know, I'm not going to get into it. Greg does not know who the Hardy Boys are. I don't understand what this show is about or what the cast of this show is about at this point. Well, I don't. What is the Hardy Boys thing with you? Did Did your dad write the books or something? I don't understand why you're so upset about it. Don't even go there, Dan. <laughs> His dad did write the books. He did not write the books. Oh. I just think that there is a major, major block missing from Greg's early life experiences to have no idea what this historic Dan then mystery. Read them either. Dan has not read them. That's fine, but yeah. he's heard of them. Yeah, I heard of them. Well, now you they, are back. I didn't know they dressed like 2010's businessmen. That's strange, but uh... wow, 2010 even <laughs> didn't even give a modern 
tens. Dress shirts. The decade. All right, uh, let's talk football. All right. Mm-hmm. We can work through this Hardy Boys situation. <laughs> Mark? Go ahead. All right. all right. Greg, you're on your own on this one. I don't know what happened. I was but, more of a Matt Christopher guy. Um, all right. Here we go. So uh, we got um, a lot of games to get to. Not as many as usual, as we said. It is the uh, um, six bye week teams on bye this week. But still, we're going to talk about 11 games. And uh, why don't we start, guys, uh, with what was the game of the day. Uh, I think a lot of people will agree, and it happened in the Georgia Dome between two uh, NFC Giants as it's shaping up this season, uh, and it had a scintillating ending. Under a minute to go, 32-26 Green Bay. Brian the snap, Matt looks, end zone, caught, Sanu, touchdown Atlanta. Any questions about the guts of number two now? You gave him too much time. And he found Sanu. Sanu has been the mismatch in the middle of the field all day. Big time catch from Mohamed Sanu. West Durham and Dave Archer of WZGC. Matt Ryan's 11-yard scoring hookup with Mo Sanu capped an 11-play, 75-yard drive in Atlanta's final possession. The difference in the Falcons' 33-32 win over the Green Bay Packers at the Georgia Dome. What's that sound? Somebody locked it up. Who was it? It was me. Oh, Rosie locked one up. Nice. Chris Wessling. Aaron Rodgers was at his best on Sunday, but it was not enough, was it? It was not enough. Rodgers. He I- locked it up. <laughs> Go ahead, Wes. I thought it was his best all-around performance since September of 2015 when people forget that he started out so strong last year before he fell apart at the end of the season. He was on point with his passes. He was electric with his legs in the pocket. Mm. Uh, creating space to get throws off, and he's doing it with receivers like Trevor Davis, Jeff Janis, Geronimo uh, Her- Allison, guys that, Not a real person. Guys who weren't a part of this offense, and two of those guys, the rookies, first career passes in Green Bay. That was today, and I think it says something that he was able to accomplish that with guys like Randall Cobb out, Eddie Lacy, James Starks, Jared Cook, Ty Montgomery, and the offense is better. Is it crazy to think that maybe they could use a little fresh blood to to work in some of these guys? I'm not saying you got to bench Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. I'm saying get some of these young guys into the mix a little more in certain packages. Well, I think Trevor Davis and Jeff Janis are probably the two fastest players in their offense, mm-hmm. and maybe that does help when you have speed on the outside. Green Bay's off. I mean, the guys and the rushing attack, Aaron Ripkowski, who? Don Jackson, Niall Davis, Aaron Rodgers was also the leading rusher in this game. So he did it all, Greg. Uh, but the Atlanta Falcons, even though they lost the prior two weeks, you had said uh, on last week's show that it didn't change how you felt about them. Then they deliver a performance like this that, again, screams to you that this team's going to be relevant in January. They are among the most consistent teams in the NFL. Now, that, that's good and bad. They have consistently given up a lot of points. They're not a good defense, and that's going to hurt them if that doesn't change. But – to win this game in a come-from-behind fashion right at the end after the heartbreak of that Seahawks game, which I think they deserve to win, that heartbreak of the Chargers game last week, this would have been a tough one to swallow. Oh, yeah. And so to get a big win at home against another NFC contender, I think that's huge. I think it keeps them. They're obviously the NFC South favorite. What did you see, Mark? Well, this is a team last year that when they got out to the 6-0 and start, I think it was fair if you were watching them a couple weeks after that, is this team for real? There seemed to be a lot about it that was smoke and mirrors. It's the complete opposite. 
It's the complete opposite this season. To go back home after two straight losses, two losses, the loss to Seattle, as Greg mentioned, I think that the last four weeks against Carolina and Denver and Seattle and the Chargers proved to you that this team is built to go the distance despite their weaknesses. They're going to be around to the end of the season. They're the class of the division, and I don't care who's on the field for Green Bay. This is a huge win that before the season no one would have given to Atlanta. The difference this year Last year it was all Julio Jones, and that's all they had. This year in a game where Tevin Coleman sits out and Julio Jones was hobbled in the second quarter, he twisted his ankle, only had one target in the second half. Mohamed Sanu, five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown on the game-winning drive. Wow. Taylor Gabriel up. Taylor Gabriel with a beautiful long TD with a brilliant Matt Ryan pass. And Austin Hooper, their tight end, I believe only had six catches coming into this game and have five on the afternoon. This- they have so many – different directions for Matt Ryan to go with the ball. This is most of the news best game. Ten targets, nine catches, 84 yards, that touchdown. And like Wes said, uh, when the chips are down and Julio Jones only targeted five times, obviously wasn't right, that they could still win the game. And I think you have to look at coaching. Mo Sanu scores the game-winning touchdown on a play where they essentially move him inside. They kind of expect a zone defense, they switch it up, they get him matched up on Jake Ryan, who's not going to be able to cover him. And to me, that's Kyle Shanahan, that's Matt Ryan getting him in a position to win the game, whereas I don't know if the Packers' offense would, would be able to do that. They would be expecting their guys to just make some plays. Was there? We've talked about Atlanta getting more pass rush week after week, and it looks like they had three sacks today. Does that actually tell the tale of what happened? Aaron Rodgers had a lot of time to work. As always. And he... A lot of the man coverage, the the Falcons want to be a zone team, but they switched up to some man, and in those situations, Rodgers took off for a lot of big rushes. He had a career-high 60 rushing yards today. If you want to strain hard enough, the two bright spots on the Falcons' defense at pass rush, Adrian Claiborne and Vic Beasley, combined for 10 sacks over the last four games. But they're still giving up 26 or more points in seven or eight games this year. In that last-minute drive, at least they got some pressure on Rodgers when, when the chips were down. Let's check in uh, with another matchup between big-time NFC squads. Third down and goal from the one, from out of the wing eye. Handoff Stewart, breaks one tackle, breaks two tackles, touchdown! Carolina Panthers. And then he broke another tackle. That's just a robust run right there. (laughs) Uh, That calls Mike Mixon and Eugene Robinson of WBT. The Panthers blew the doors off the Cardinals early in the NFC Championship game last January. Sunday's rematch was more of the same. Jonathan Stewart had two touchdowns on the ground. Arizona was unable to dig out of a huge first half hole. A 30-20 Panthers win in Charlotte. Oh, we're locking it up again. The old Zeuser locks one up. Oh, Wes, it's all turning around with the lock of the week. He locked it up. I locked it up. Greg. Yes. The stats don't show it, but Cam played like an MVP in this one. I thought he was sensational in the first half of the game. Don't love how they sat on the lead, but he finishes with 212 yards, no passing touchdowns, 43 yards rushing. But the quality of some of these throws was similar, really, to the the play he had against New Orleans right before the bye when I thought he played fantastic. And having Jonathan Stewart back, they really made a point to run Cam Newton, to do the uh, zone read, to have their multifaceted running game, and it all worked. Uh, they lo- they loaded up a 24 to nothing start, and uh, the Cardinals really couldn't do anything on offense until, until the game felt like it was over. Is it actually a game that was – I asked you at one point – you know what's going on in this thing because you're over there covering it. I'm looking at the early score when they're you know piling up points. Did it resemble 
the NFC Championship game? Because I would say that how could it? Because this Cardinals team is so different than that team. It did for a half because an early turnover, which is similar, I believe, to the NFC Championship game. And this one was a shaky call. They called it a fumble on Carson Palmer. Probably should have been an incomplete pass. But the thing that was similar is that the Panthers' defense dominated up front, which they also did in the AFC Championship. They sent blitz after blitz after after Palmer. They couldn't handle it. Even when they weren't blitzing him, they were hitting him. I mean, he could not get a throw off for about five or six drives. Now, they solved some things, but by then it's 24 to nothing. I never really felt like this game was in doubt, although the, again, the Panthers sat on it a little a little bit too much in the second half. Arizona's offensive line is a problem. It's Huge a big problem. problem. There's, the swagger just seems gone from this team, though. It's almost like they're starting from scratch now. Any any of the goodwill that was built up over the last year or two with this team, they are back to ground uh, square one, and they got to figure out how to put this thing together before it's too late. Well, we talked about this on Thursday that the entire NFC West has lo- offensive line issues, and you want to talk about swagger disappearing and and your ability to make big plays and to run the ball consistently disappearing. When your offensive line is breaking down, everyone starts to look two or three notches below where they were last year when everything went right for Arizona. Well, And I don't think there's anything wrong with Carson Palmer's arm. His arms look as strong as ever to me. But he looks slower. He's not moving as well, and that's what happens with old quarterbacks. Well, they, they have some Well, things, most old quarterbacks. Except for, you know. The <laughs> except great, for the guy uh, who's not on a gradual decline. Not yet. Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's now a five-year-long prediction he's, for He's Danny. changing the narrative. Not, no, yet. not yet. They've, they've, had some, they've had some common traits every game. They're not a good vertical team, the Cardinals. They're one of the worst. They didn't have a play over 20 yards in this game. And this is the first time I thought a team went out of their way. They're just saying, we're not going to let David Johnson beat us. And they just loaded up to stop the run. They couldn't make them pay. And Carolina showed a little more confidence in their defense and their back end. Maybe don't wait for uh, them to get pressure up front. They just sent blitzes like crazy. Very creative. Or it's the first team that's focused on David Johnson and been able to accomplish that. That's fair. Uh, And we should talk about the reigning MVP, Cam Newton, who came out uh, to the podium dressed in a ridiculous manner, but then had some very serious things to say about what he feels is just a lack of protection uh, toward him, and he needs the officials to be more accountable on that end. At times, I don't even feel safe. And and enough is enough. You know, I I, I plan on talking to Commissioner Goodell about this, um, but it's not fun. And, and I don't know what I have to do. I just can't keep accepting, oh, we missed that one, or I apologize for, for doing that, or, 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 or I didn't see it. That's horse crap. When you're mm-hmm. constantly seeing flags not being thrown, and to see other quarterbacks getting it, lesser hits, less, less, lesser physical hits, then, then it's taking the fun for me out. Uh, I'm just being honest with that. What did you see, Greg, in this game? Well, he's 100% right on the play that he's really upset about, which is he's a play in the pocket where Calais Campbell goes low at him pretty well after he throws the ball. It, it was an inexcusable miss. I think they'll admit to Cam Newton. There was, no, there was no debating whether it was a terrible no call, and it is the type of play. It looked like he might have been seriously injured. Cam seems bionic, so he was fine. So I, I get him feeling like he's at the breaking point after that. He, he should have a buffer, though. Why does, he have to, why does he have to go to the podium and make this plea? He's correct in what he said, but, I mean, th- th- you know, someone else on the team should be able to, to mount this for him. Tony Dungy had the same comment on the uh, pregame show for NBC today that this should be something that com- from, coming from his teammates, from the front office, from the coach. Well, uh, Instead, Cam has to say it himself, and then people will t- use it against him. It puts him in a tough spot. Ron Rivera did say it after the season opener. He compared the treatment to Shaq. And 
and I think it's fine for Cam to be a squeaky wheel here. Get the grease. Go get those calls because it's not fair that they they ref him differently than they ref other quarterbacks. Uh, let's move on and uh, take a look at the other team that played in the Super Bowl last year. Rivers from the gun, back to pass, short dump off over the middle, and it's deflected and picked off. Picked off by Denver, running down the left sideline, untouched to the end zone, Bradley Roby. 51 yards on the return. Roby off the deflection. Picked this one off just past midfield and takes it all the way to the house. Dave Logan, KOA, Bradley Roby's 49-yard pick six in the second quarter. Gave the Broncos a lead they would never relinquish. The final, uh, the final uh, a 27-9 victory for the defending Super Bowl champs. Mark Sessler, the Broncos once again leaned on their tried-and-true formula, smothering defense and just enough offense to get the job done. Yeah, this game had a, a little bit of everything, especially from uh, Denver's defense. So three interceptions at one point of Rivers. I mean, they, they absolutely did everything they could, their part to, you know, get into Rivers' head and, and, and uns, you know, get un- unseat this Chargers offense. And the Chargers still found a way, as they have done in every game, to make this a last possession game, driving right down to the end with a chance to, to tie the game potentially. But four sacks and 13 hits on Rivers. Mm. Denver, Denver's offense, though, I think that you want to look at a team that has issues potentially. I'm not saying that C.J. Anderson is a top five type running back, but you felt his absence in this game 100%. And the ground game really was not respected. I mean, Devontae Booker, he came on late in the fourth quarter, but had about 28 yards going you know, through three quarters of play. And if you're Denver and you can't run the ball and you have to force Trevor Simeon to throw the ball and get you out of jams, at one point they went you know, multiple drives, tons of punts and not making any points out of it. And San Diego's defense, which I think has a lot of exciting factors to it, Joey Bosa and that young linebacking crew, made it hard on Denver. I don't think this score is completely indicative of, of, of what really went on here because both offenses struggled. It was a fun game. It, you said it. It had a little bit of everything. Sloppy at times in terms of a lot of turnovers, especially inside the red zone. I mean, the Broncos could feel like we should have blown them out because they fumbled twice uh, when they were going in for scores. But then again, the Chargers, one of they lost a pick six on a drop. They had uh, another play where a receiver was a miscommunication with our old friend Griff Whalen, Connor's buddy. Hey, old Griffo. And uh, <laughs> the Chargers still get down inside the five at the end of the game, and they couldn't get they couldn't get it done. They get the ball back to it's it's yet another week where we see the Chargers well, at the very end. There was end. a play here where Devontae Booker, after a a, a a a turnover by the Chargers deep in their own territory, where Devonta Booker was racing towards the end zone and was reaching out for the pylon to score, and he lost the ball, and it went back to San Diego. I think that changed this game. Had they punched that in, they wouldn't have been up, and it would have been over at this point. Right, it was and late in the second half. The Chargers have a knack of when it looks like they're out of it. At that point, they go 98 yards, including three third and longs on that drive, including some plays where Rivers gets just nailed, and they've had a knack of doing that. That's a tough thing to do in Denver. I saw the game a little bit differently in, in the sense that I thought the Chargers were lucky uh, to be as close as they were at the end. I think a couple things like that fumble, uh, which you give San Diego credit for, of course, but uh, some certain plays that went down in this game where the, I feel like the Broncos, you play the, these two teams play in Denver 10 times. I think the Broncos mm. win eight times. I think they're a, a much uh, better team all around. I'm a little concerned. Outgained them. 
Yeah, no, I get it. I just I thought that that San Diego wasn't quite in Denver's class, despite it being a one score game in the end. Uh, Trevor Simeon spooks me a little bit, especially when I think about the AFC uh, and what maybe it's really Denver and Pittsburgh that it's down to them. Who's going to even have a chance to beat the Patriots? And I don't know if Trevor Simeon's going to make enough plays. I didn't see a lot. From I, I think that's the concern coming out of this. If Booker can't be a workhorse type back, because it's the opposite of Philip Rivers, where you strip everything away from Philip Rivers and he's still in these games. That's maybe where Greg is coming from, too. The Chargers still found a way, despite being the lesser team in this, to still hang around. I don't think that's the mold with Trevor Simeon on offense. He, they, they were 5 of 15 in third down. You know, you just saw plays left on the field, and if they can't run the ball in a Gary Kubiak offense, they're going to rely on not just turnovers, but pick sixes from the defense. They're going to have to do exactly what they did last year. Spice rack alert. Oh. Mel- Melvin Gordon on he pace good. for about 1,150 rushing yards. He's running. Wow, look at that. He, he looked great. He's running so hard. He's a good receiver out of the backfield. He's running people over. The, the one thing that I think the Broncos can hold their hat on, they're hitting big plays. You know, three, four plays over 30 yards. Demarius Thomas made an unbelievable catch. Sanders made an unbelievable catch. Like, they have talent, and, and they're letting Simeon go out there and put it. I mean, the passing game, there were little moments where they needed a throw from him, like out of their own end zone, and, and he would connect on some tough throws. Let's check in on the throne of ease. Shotgun snap. Four-man rush. Brady steps up. Throws down the right side for Gronk. Ooh. Makes the catch to the 20. Gronk to the 10. Gronk for the record book. Touchdown 69 for Rob <laughs> Gronkowski. Bob Sochi? Yes. WBZ 98.5. The Sports Hub. Too much Gronk. Too much Brady. The Patriots avenged a shutout loss earlier in the season by stopping the Buffalo Bills. A 41-25 blowout. Uh, uh, Wes, the Patriots, once again, have run away with the AFC East. Even Rex uh, con- you know, conceded as much after the game. <laughs> and Tom Brady and this Pats offense, they just look unstoppable. Rex said during the week, I don't know if I've ever seen Brady better. And then after the game, he said, I don't think I've ever seen him hotter. Uh, and that's that's the deal. Brady is the best quarterback in the NFL this year, and I think by a pretty wide margin. He's still on top of his game. His pocket movement is good. He's going downfield more than he did the last couple of years. Rob Gronk, they just toy with teams until they unleash Gronk, who is – Right now enjoying the best month of his career production-wise, averaging 118 yards per game. You look up and he's just – it's 30-yard gain after 30-yard gain after 30-yard gain. We were talking downstairs uh, before we came up that it's almost like if you – if the Patriots wanted to, they could target Gronk 20 times and he could just ha- be the most productive player in the history of the tight end position by a long shot if he's not already that guy now. Uh, but it's almost like a quiet agreement between the, the teams and the Patriots uh, that we will not – uh, rat you out uh, as long as you just keep the targets to about seven or eight a game. We rat saw you out same... for what? Well, I think you know. I, I see what Dan's <laughs> what getting to. What does that even mean? I think you know. We saw the same exact thing against the Steelers last week. when It's something. When the Pittsburgh went in for a score that kept them close late in the game, and then as if they finally decided to say, you know what, let's teach Pittsburgh a lesson. Tom Brady and LeGarrette Blunt and Rob Gronkowski just marched down the field in four or five plays and score with ease. It was like an adult playing a child. Um, and, and you know what? We can mask all this as what we want, but we're going to go through a procession of other games that are utterly meaningless because this team <laughs> is going straight to the Super Bowl. <laughs> what mean, was your tweet? Alert, 83 more days until the Patriots win the AFC Give me a break because we're talking about, oh, can the Broncos hang in it? Well, they're going to need to do a lot more to hang with this offense the way they're moving. 
Listen, I don't think anybody's disagreeing with you. The Patriots, even Greg, Greg doesn't want to admit it because he doesn't want to, the reverse jinx thing. But they are by they're the they're by far 2007, the best. They have never been a bigger favorite to come out of the Ab- AFC than right now. I don't necessarily think it's great. Absolutely. Football, hashtag cancel the Patriots. Hashtag save football. But that's just where we are right now. Do you guys want to hear what Gronk had to say about touchdown 69? Sure. Let's hear it. Maybe give a shout out to my mom uh, too because. Uh, <laughs> The first thing yesterday, we should, we sat down. I saw her. She came to my hotel uh, with everyone. We sat down. She goes, Rob, I'm so proud of you when you score your 69 touchdown. <laughs> so I was like, I got to give her a shout-out now for sure for uh, letting me know. That's about as verbose as you'll see or hear Rob. Okay? I love that little giggle. He's like, yeah. <laughs> he's a little boy. He's a little boy, a little unstoppable boy. So, yeah, the, it just, again, um, one thing I will say, the slight regression's coming. Oh, no my God, just coming. stop. Enough H- with H- that 42? nonsense. Stop. I don't know It couldn't be going worse for you right now. Except, it couldn't. Except the L. It couldn't. It could not be going worse. But, again, everyone's genius is in the moment, and then everything can change two months from now. So just hang in there. The other part, the one thing I didn't take into account, and I will say this. I'll acknowledge this much. I didn't realize the AFC and really – the NFL was going to be so watered down this year, which is definitely playing wait, playing into Wait, hold on. Brady's stats are inflated by a watered down NFL. What kind of by conspiracy terrible, are you spinning here? A terrible AFC, a terrible conference. Is He's got a passer helping. rating of 133.9. His rate stats are better than his 2007 season. I know, but I'm Fire saying the jury's still out on science. The competition <laughs> is just not there, and it's playing into his dominance. I could not disagree more. Okay, well, that's fine, but I'm telling you that's what's going that's on That's not here. the truth. I mean, I couldn't. I totally see the AFC is watered down, but they could, it could be five great teams in the AFC, and, and Tom Brady and the Patriots would mow right through all of them. There you are might have so a, many bad AFC teams this year. But Tom Brady, it doesn't, so it doesn't matter Bills, who he's playing. The Bills were a good defense. I don't think the Bills can talk about really? being one are of the best. About that? They no. shut down Jacoby Brissett, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think you, they can talk about being one of the better defenses in the league after the last two weeks. I'm, I'm more concerned. That the, the Stephon way they Gilmore up, got picked on today. Right. The way they gave up that lead to Miami and then, you know, just getting drubbed like this. You're not in a, a top level. Defense, you, you just got stamped for 200 yards rushing last week by a running back that was essentially made inactive week to week a month ago. And now you've been destroyed by New England they, for the second time in a row. They I need mean, to get on. McCoy healthy. They're not. They're in it. They're, they need to. They're probably happy roughly with where they are. Four and four, four halfway, okay. and some things to build. What next week they go, go to Seattle? Yeah. I mean, this is an eight or nine win team, I mean, and I don't know if that's enough to keep Rex Ryan employed, but that seems to be where they're heading. Uh, but the Patriots are seven and one, and if everything holds through this regular season, season, there's no doubt in my mind that Tom Brady should be the MVP here because they the same the same Patriots team got shut out. Sixteen uh, nothing uh, when Brady didn't play, and then Brady comes on and they throw up a forty burger. I, I just, just think, you know, second year in a row they've stamped the Bills with forty plus points. I mean, come on. I just think it's worth noting the NFL season is long. He has played four games in two thousand seven. They had a ridiculous run the first ten or eleven games. They were absolutely a different team the last seven or eight. Last year at this time, we would have thought it was preposterous. Everyone thought the Broncos were a total joke, that there's no way they're going to take out the Patriots. It happens. Like, we it's didn't a think the Broncos season. were a total joke. Not a joke, but we didn't think that they were going to be the And if he Patriots. simmers down, they'll find other ways well, to put up 30 points a game. That's what they do. Well, last year, was they were unstoppable. They were averaging about 38 points a game through 10 weeks, and then they had an unreal string of injuries that involved their offensive line, their wide receiver core, their backfield. Every area was injured, and that hasn't happened yet this year. And but now to you're Greg's getting point. It could happen. You're getting Deion Lewis back. It's the opposite this year. They've been very we'll healthy. 
James White. Long season, that's all I'm saying. James White dropped a wide-open touchdown in this game, too. Would have been number five for Brady in this game. Uh, there was a um, uh, ob- uh, an o- foreign object thrown onto the field in this game. I don't there know was. how much more we can say about it. A foreign object thrown onto the field almost hit um, Kevin Hogan. It was a pink phallus. Yeah, something like that. Person throwing it, maybe. Why do they? They don't need that anymore. Apparently, mm. this is this game was in <laughs> Buffalo, correct? Right. It was the Chris what Hogan on revenge Buffalo, game. Can I just say, like, they threw it at Chris Hogan. They're yeah. like, if you're gonna the leave, we're gonna game. throw a. a Who yeah. threw it though? I'd Somebody say Chris Hogan's got the revenge. Wait, how many how many yards did that have to be chucked to get on the field? It appeared 30? to. It, well, if you watch the replay, it didn't come straight. Down from the stands, it appeared to bounce and come almost laterally like into the field. Wes and I left. watched it on it slow motion. At no point this season have has Mark Wes and I huddled around a computer and watched a football play in slow motion. But the second this happened, we were around there like it was the Zapruder film or something. Well, it was, to get to the bottom of it. It was the best throw by the Bills all day. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, one. La- I want to double back to the previous game. Uh, we should have touched on it. Wade Phillips. Uh, son of bum got run over on the sideline uh, uh, in the Denver game today and, and was actually carted off the field, taken to the hospital. Gary Kubiak said after the game, all the tests, everything checked out, and uh, they anticipate him rejoining the team shortly. Great news because we love the son of bum here at the Around the NFL podcast. Let's move on to a inter-conference matchup. Now they're showing blitz. They're going to bring to Levante David. Carr throws. Catch Seth Roberts. Breaks the tackle. He's Off from Seth Roberts to win the game. I see you, little Debbie. Greg Papa, KGMZ, Blackjack Del Rio strikes again with time running out in overtime. And the Raiders facing a fourth and four from near, near midfield. Jack Del Rio put the ball in the hands of his young star quarterback, and Derek Carr did not disappoint, connecting with Seth Roberts on a walk-off touchdown, securing a 30-24 win, a thriller. Greg Rosenthal, the Ra- Raiders set an NFL record with 23 penalties, and still won the game. They're 5-0 and on the road. Are you a believer in the silver and black, baby? I'm a believer that they can make the playoffs. I'm not a believer that they're one of the best six or seven teams in the league. Oh, but they're exciting, aren't they, Greg? They are. This is Al Davis, if, he, if he's watching this somewhere, he's not. He, could, he couldn't be happier. To set an NFL record in penalties in the same game, you throw for 513 yards, 13 yards, you push the ball Whoa. down the field. This is the most old-school Raiders win possible. Do you Love it. Do you believe that their uh, late-game magic is predictive, or do you believe it's mostly been luck? Is it repeatable? I think it can carry you through one season, yes, that you have some mojo, that you feel that, you, that you're able to win these games late. I don't think it means you're a great team. The Bucks are not good. The Bucks were dominated in this game for the last three quarters. Wait, the Raiders should have won this game before. I know I love the uh, Bucs. They lost to a time. team that had 23 penalties. Right. That the, This game should have been over in terms of the Raiders winning it much longer before it was. I mean, luck, but they're also taking risks when other teams do not. So I, I factored that in. and it Yeah, does make come, their own luck. Well, that's exactly right. It comes from their coach deciding. You know, the league, the league's coaches – 
are incredibly conservative. When you go play a video game or something, you you could say with your friend, we don't even punt all game. There's no punts. We're going to do whatever comes up. The league's coaches couldn't be any more the opposite. So it's an absolute huge standout story when one guy decides to go against the grain. It shouldn't be, but it is. At that point in the game, they're, like I said, near midfield at that point. Uh, facing fourth and four, enough time maybe to get a three and out, getting the ball back and take one more shot at it. I would guess, I would just throw it out there, 20, 20 to 23 of the NFL coaches would punt that ball or at maybe least. give Janikowski a shot at a 60-yarder, even even though Janikowski had missed two from 50 uh, in regulation and 20 overtime. 20 of the 23 coaches, that's an interesting 20 study. To, 20 to 23. Oh, I thought said 20 of the 23. I, I think fewer. Right. I think this call was almost as gutsy as going for two to win it because sure. if you don't get that, Fourth and four. Oh, the Bucks were going to blow it anyway. The Bucks that, weren't even. They were confident that they could stop overtime. the Bucks, but the ball's at midfield, and you have a couple minutes to get go twenty yards and try to set up a game-winning field goal. So that that was a really gutsy call, and he has. I loved it. He has a great sense of his team because he did punt earlier in that overtime, uh, and it was the absolute right decision. He pinned the Bucks back. They got a three and out when they they could have gone for it in yep. at that point, and he, he he just pushes all the right buttons. Yeah, Khalil Mack, Pro Football Focus, had him with two sacks, three hits, and ten total hurries in this game. I think we said this in the offseason, but who's got a better young trio Hmm. for a nucleus than Derek Carr, Amari Cooper, and Khalil Mack? Greg, maybe we spoke a little too soon taking shots at Khalil Mack being in the Sunday Night Football (laughs) intro tonight. Taking shots. It's more that he's just not a a name name brand A little surprised uh, that he's in the shot with Tafoya there. Going into the game, yeah, before yeah. the Sunday night game, the the Oh Sunday Night song. Yeah, no, everybody so knows. Well, he's he an was. all pro at two different positions. Right. Like, I mean, I think heading into it. the season, he's Absolutely. certainly who you'd put on the SNF promo. But then their defense has been, you know, suspect at best. I like it when teams kind of fall to their level. The Bucks didn't deserve to win this game. They did score 14 points in the fourth quarter. They deserve a little credit for making a comeback. But they were outgained. This is wild. 598 to 150. After they took a ten to nothing lead, is this Bucks bad. team any better than they were under Lovey Smith? I understand similar. they have injuries, but I mean, similar. This is an unwatchable team on many levels. A lot of pressure, uh, guys, on your Vikings to deliver on Monday night. Well, actually, Dan, you, yeah, you, well, I you don't, know what? I don't like the way you've acted. Yeah, about this. Th- this is why I could care less. It's, it's someone ugly. On the someone tweeted this at me, and I just wrote back, "Yawn," because. Dan's Uh-oh, tendency to just create controversy. Oh, yeah. Dan, you voted for the Vikings, so it's on you I if sure you did. aren't happy with what you did. Oh, it's yeah. not on us. We don't need to prove anything to you or anyone else. I mean, they are, they are I mean, a little lucky. Roberto sakes, Aguayo misses an extra point here. This thing's probably over in regulation. Big spot for the Vikings on Monday. It's, it's interesting awesome. that you voted for them, and within 10 minutes, you're an absolute turncoat versus being a team player on a decision we made. Uh, it's revealing. It's it's interesting to see you see our podcast as like the WWE, and you're just the, the marionette, you know, pulling the puppet strings. I will not apologize for trying Dan to have is, some fun on the show, guys. So Dan sorry. is the Vince McMahon of our podcast. Uh, <laughs> I'm, you know, if the Vikings, you know, deliver. Because the Raiders are saying, we deserved it, guys. Well, let's, have the, the let's have the Vikings play the Jaguars and Buccaneers back-to-back and see how that goes. All right. Simmer down, Mark. <laughs> That's just the theme of ATL, buddy. All right, let's move on. Fourth and two from the 10-yard line. Here's Wilson throwing the fade, and it's going to be caught, but out of the end zone, back of the end zone. Curse couldn't bring it in with two feet down, and the Saints have won this game. 
It wasn't pretty, but the Saints defense got a stop when it counted most on Sunday. Russell Wilson's final pass sailed just out of bounds, and the Saints hung on for a 25-20 to win at the Superdome. Greg. Hey, Greg. Hi. There was a lot of Twittering going on during and after this game about the officiating. How big a role did it play in the outcome here? That was big. The Seahawks had some calls going against them. I don't think it was warranted the 50 tweets I got just mentioning <laughs> something good that the Saints did in this game. I mean, there are there were a million plays the Seahawks could have made to win the game that they didn't make. So that, it, that right. had nothing to do with the officials. Right. Tell us more. I think uh, <laughs> Saints offense. Look, what, what happened to Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram got benched early because in the game after a fumble. Year. He's they not playing stinks. well. Tim Hightower runs hard. I think the Saints have made a really smart move the last couple weeks. They're trying to limit possessions. They're trying to have long drives, short passes, run the ball. Each team only had nine possessions here, kept the Saints defense off the field. They were very efficient. They scored six straight possessions. I know it's only 25 points, but they play a different sort of arena mm. league style type of game. It's like you got to limit the possessions. You got to score every time the ball you have the ball. They did that six straight times and they deserve to win this game. It seems like Thomas Snead and Cooks, like last week, all got involved again. They did, and Richard Sherman had a big penalty in a big spot, and Seahawks fans were honking about that, and that was an absolutely— Seahawks fans honking? Block <laughs> that was an absolutely deserved penalty on Sherman when they finally Locking. showed a better replay a couple minutes later. Uh, it was a—you know, the Saints team, I feel like they're not hey, out Greg. of it. I feel like they're not out of it. Look at you, Greg. Yeah, but you see that you're getting sucked in because, again, in their building, they can hang with almost any team, and they'll probably win at least half the games at home, and maybe even we'll go five and three. But they're going to go two and six or worse outside their building. I just do the math. It's, that's the way this team is. It, it's a bad defense, but I think the offense is so good that they have a chance. They, they played against Kansas City last week, and I thought they outplayed them for the most part. That's a tough place. To they play. looked like an absolute – playoff offense against Kansas City. I mean, but are we concerned about Seattle's offense officially at this point? Or is it, no, they'll be fine. You know, we're, we're entering week nine and, you know, you, you, you score six points against Arizona. You put up 20 against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. I would say as of midseason, it's a concern, but we still think they're the heavy favorites to win that division. And by the time the playoffs roll around, you would expect Russell Wilson to have some of his mobility back. Yeah, that that hurt him today. They weren't. They haven't been able to really establish Kristen Michael now the last couple of weeks. I think he's running fine, but the running game just isn't working. It's not a great sign when Tanner McAvoy is hitting your biggest pass play. What about C.J. Procise? He must have had a pretty good game. He, he caught that pass from Tanner McAvoy, who threw him a 45-yarder. I mean, that's great, but, like, for instance, Russell Wilson... Last play of the game, Jermaine Curtis, some people, you know, questioning that play call. He's got him right there. One-on-one coverage against B.W. Webb. Give him a chance to make a play. Not a great throw. If they if he makes that throw, they win the game, and we're talking about a go-go Saint. Go-go. I mean, Connor yeah. Orr talked about Procise as a mixture between Le'Veon Bell and Percy, Percy Harvin, a, a combination Whoa. poor man's Harvin and Bell. That is interesting. Um, by the way, the call, Jim Henderson, WWL. That's a great job. <laughs> Don't want to old Hendo freeze out old Hendo in a big spot. Um, all right, let's move on. And uh, you want to go to London one last time, guys? Oh yeah, let's go to London one last time. This will be a 34-yard field goal attempt to win it for the Redskins. Good snap, good hole. Kick is on its way. End over end. It is no good. 
wide to the left, and we will continue <laughs> with 2.09 to play here in overtime. That was Tom McCarthy and some random frat guy, WTEM ESPN 980. Oh, my own Dustin Hopkins missed a 34-yard field goal attempt that you just heard with less than three minutes to play in overtime. And that would be the closest either side got to breaking the deadlock in the final period when time ran out. The Redskins and Bengals had played to a 27-27 tie at, I was going to say historic Wembley Stadium, but just a little bit of insight on, on, on to England, a place I've never been. They tore down the old Wembley. This is new Wembley Stadium. Is it? So it's not historic. It's not historic. Historic same, name. Same place, but yeah. Yeah. It's like Met MetLife was built in a parking lot across from uh, Giant Stadium. Wasn't but historic. no one's calling it historic. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Maybe Yankee Stadium. That would have been a good. The historic yeah. Meadowlands, though. The Meadowlands is certainly that's, historic. Yeah, that's perfect. It is the second tie in as many weeks in the NFL. Go figure. And Greg Dustin Hopkins. Yes, he blew it, but he wasn't the only kicker wearing the goat horns in London. No, your boy, the Nuge, Mike Nugent. Former second-round pick, Mike Nugent. Former second-round pick. Uh, Still in the league. Missed the field goal, missed an extra point. Both kickers, you know, both teams can feel like it was their kicker's fault. But I think the fact that the Redskins moved the ball so well and Kirk Cousins shut me up. Uh, wow. By out you like that? No. Yeah, outplaying Andy Dalton by a significant amount. This was not a good time for Dalton to have what I think was his worst game of the season, a lot worse than, than the stats show. And Cousins has been playing a lot better the last month after, after a bad first month of the season. Big breakout season for Jamison Crowder in the slot there too. Every game he makes one or two killer plays, and it's been going on all season. It, it's wild to think that this team with Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon is really built now around Crowder, Vernon Davis, and now that Jordan Reed's back, Jordan Reed. Vernon I mean, Davis is playing well. They're playing winning games. Well. They're winning games with Crowder, Davis, and Chris Thompson. And and I fault John Jay Gruden here for setting up that kick. Okay, take us through it, Greg. You were fired up about this when it happened. Second and four. You got Robert Kelly, Fat Rob, as his friends call him. Who calls him that? His team calls him Fat Rob. Great nickname. <laughs> Love it. How does he feel about that? He likes it. I okay. think it goes all the way back to two. Remember when the Texans kicker, kicker was Fat Randy? Yeah. <laughs> Fat Rob's terrific. It reminds me also of Black Rob, who had the classic, like, whoa. Okay. Great tune. I don't uh, know if we're allowed to reference artists anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Second and four in overtime. Kelly is steamrolling this Bengals defense. They've been on the field the whole overtime. The end of regulation because Dalton – couldn't move the ball at the end. And what do they do? They just have Kirk Cousins on second down go backwards into the side to set up a third down field goal. Why not try to score a touchdown? Why not run the ball a couple times? I think they would have won the game. Herm it's Edwards. your fault. Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Well, it's funny. The game play. isn't over it's when you're – It's funny that Wes brings up uh, Herm Edwards because they, uh, famous in Jets lore, 2004 playoff game at Heinz Field – Herm, instead of trying to get the ball closer uh, in overtime, settled for a Doug Bryan 46-yard field goal, which hit the goddamn crossbar, uh, and the Jets eventually lost that game. But here's the thing. That was a 46-yarder in Heinz Field. This is a 34-yarder. But what is the problem? You've got to put that through the uprights. All right. What is more likely? Put on your big boy pants. Robert Kelly knowing the situation and fumbling the ball right there, or you missing that field goal. I think it's a lot higher that you're missing the field goal. And and who do you want to leave the game up to? How about your offensive line that's getting it going at the end of the game? They were moving the ball well. Seeing as this is an international game, do you guys uh, 
want to hear something that happened after the game with a German sideline reporter yeah. who caught up Please. to uh, Dustin Hopkins. This was interesting. Dustin Hopkins, what <laughs> went wrong by the kick? Uh, first of all, I'm just disgusted that that happens uh, for my guys. No, no, no. Okay. That was eindeutig, keine interviews. Take us what happened. A Redskins PR flag. Saw Dustin Hopkins uh, get uh, you know taken to the side by this German sideline reporter and raced. Let's listen to it one more time now that you have a little context. Raced over to Dustin Hopkins, shut down the interview, pushed the, the German reporter, and then the reporter just threw it back to the studio in, in a stunned uh, moment. The studio cracked up. Yeah, good good composure there from the reporter. Pretty good. Dustin Hopkins, what I don't went know, wrong with the kick? Uh, first of all, I'm just disgusted that that happens uh, for my guys. No, no, no. Okay. That was eindeutig, keine interviews. <laughs> Very odd. I really recommend checking out uh, the int- the clip because the studio show looks like a lot of fun. A total it's, blast. It's on Dan's Twitter account. He sent it out if you wanted to look. Looks, uh, looks in great. fact, I, I, yeah, I, I did an end around post on it, NFL.com slash end around. And, uh, and th- their show, whatever that show is, immediately followed me and thanked me. Apparently, that's like a, a fun kind of, I don't know what it is. Apparently, Germany has a television show about the NFL. That might have been the show that was showed my tweets last week that somehow our listeners from Germany said some show in Germany was showing my tweets from the Jeff Fisher game. I, I'm a big fan of Germany, right? Got any else? Any other content you two would like to uh, <laughs> set up and backslap yourselves about? I but, haven't seen anybody that over eager on a football field since Jeff Triplett was racing to flag somebody for uh, celebrating. Uh, yeah, it's fair. And yeah, so the uh, Redskins PR guy was pissed. Also pissed, Josh Norman. Who's 88? I got to know. I just got to know. Who's official 88? <laughs> he sucked. I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to be straightforward. He was terrible. I feel like he should be reprimanded. I feel like some of the plays that was going on out there was just, I mean, it, it was terrible. This is how I'm feeling and how the team feels right now. So speaking on their behalf, it needs to be watched and reprimanded. They reprimand us. So how come what's, what's, what's the recommended for them? Oh, somebody's going to get reprimanded. And uh, it's going to be Josh Norman. Greg, what was that about? Five penalties in this game by Josh Norman. Ooh, he wasn't happy. A He's, pair of dropped interceptions. Right. If AJ, if Andy Dalton threw the deep ball better in this game, AJ Green could have gone for about two twenty-five. Putting it overtime. Norman. If AJ Green comes down with a pass, they they're, they're cooking. Uh, but he couldn't. AJ why, Green, the best receiver in the NFL this year. Why do we the ref the ref wow. numbers? I mean, talk about something that has zero holding ability. Does anyone remember any ref by the number they wore? Do these guys have, like, their ref jerseys at home in a frame? Hey, look at me, 91. Like, give me a break. 88's a bestseller. Uh, let's move on, guys. More interconference action. Osweiler takes a low snap. He handles pocket holds. He throws, and he finds a wide-open tumbling target. C.J. Fedorowicz plucks out of his backside at the base of the tee in Texans for a touchdown and furiously spikes the ball as the Texans get the first score of the game. 6-0, 12.56 to go in the second quarter. Yes, the Houston Texans bounce back from an ugly primetime performance in Denver, getting two touchdown passes from Brock Osweiler, or maybe one. I'm going to check my work. On the fly right now, guys. It was uh, one. a single touchdown a pass. A single touchdown pass. That one, the one you heard, to C.J. Fedorowicz in a 20-13 to win over the Detroit Lions. Mark Sessler, Houston is a flawed team. Uh-oh. We have a lock of the week that didn't go well. Who had this one? Well, Sunday has been an absolute horror show, so it must be me. Was it Mark? 
Yes. It was indeed, Mark. Okay, Mark. All right, outside the lock of the week problem. Houston, a flawed team, obviously, but they righted the ship against the frisky Lions group. Yeah, you know, and they took advantage. You know, I, I don't know. This is a stopgap win for a Texans team that's – their home fans who've seen nothing but 5-0 and at home might mm. think differently, and that's nice for the ownership to have five wins in your home stadium. But you said it, Dan. This team is full of flaws. But what did not happen in this game, which we've seen with the Lions, which has made the Lions exciting, is that final attempt at a comeback by Detroit fell flat. Matthew Stafford was not on his game today. Second half drives mm. after a field goal to start the second second half, punt, 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 miss field goal, and the game ends on downs in Houston territory. They couldn't get it done. And I think, you know, Houston, Texans defense, A.J. Boye, another great game. Played well last week, did a good job today along from alongside Jackson in the secondary, and they shut down Detroit, where Detroit made plays despite their faults week after week in the past. It did not happen on Sunday. How did the Texans' offense look? Two hundred and neither team topped three hundred yards, which is a, a rarity in the NFL. Two hundred and sixty-nine yards against uh, what Football Outsiders had as the worst defense in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. I, I would say that they did not take advantage of the matchup the way that you know going in fantasy-wise and otherwise you might think. You don't have a single receiver top forty-four yards. DeAndre Hopkins had to make some, you know, acrobatic catches to even get to 44 yards. Will Fuller went out early with an injury. That takes away part of your offense. You know, with with Detroit, you also, or sorry, with Houston, they get they ended up with 105 yards on the game, but early rushing, but early on, they could not get the ground game going. And Brock Osweiler continues to make the same head-scratching, baffling throws that he did all season. Don't let this game fool you or the win. They're, they have a major issue at quarterback, as Dan wrote about in end around last week around the NFL backslash end around. Beautiful. I loved it. Uh, my Friday <laughs> column, uh, Mark nailed it there. Uh, Osweiler baby steps, though. 6.4 yards per attempt on Sunday. Doubled his yards per attempt from his previous game. That's progress, baby. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> I don't know. A.J. Bouye is not the only breakout player on the Texans. C.J. Fedorowicz. Mm. Very productive the last five weeks. One of the, I would say, one of the most productive tight ends not named Rob, Rob Gronkowski. How about that, Greg? You like that? Well, they I, need it. I like a little Fedorowicz bomb. You know what I'm talking about? He was compared to Gronk coming out of Iowa, too. I don't know what you're talking about, Dan. Oh, you know, CJ Fedorowicz. You like him? <laughs> you think he's a member of the tribe is what I, you're trying to say? I don't know. I don't I know don't for a fact. So. I don't know anything about it. his background. But, uh, you know, the tribe, you know, if it's a tribe member, I'm sure you'd be happy about that. Sure. I mean, I have that. I always try to get – I want to see because I, I have a lot of Jewish friends and like, they're excited usually about the pro athlete that's Jewish <laughs> succeeding, yeah. but I can't really get you in this boat, it seems. Well, I was a big Mike Rosenthal fan, former right tackle of the Minnesota Vikings. Great player. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the greatest Jewish-American athlete in uh, professional sports history? To you, in your lifetime, Greg. Hank Greenberg's got to be up there. Sandy Koufax, certainly. In your has lifetime. Has to be in the mix. Gabe Kapler? <laughs> um, all right. Anything else from this game? I, I mean, it's another team. You let's get excited about a five and three team in the AFC. And I'm not going to continue to beat this drum week after week. But give I them, mean, massively flawed. Give them a little bit of credit. They're five and zero oh at home. 
Well, I, think, I mentioned that, and that's what I said. The owner will loves that dynamic. I, the home, the, if you're if you're a Houston fan and you're actually watching the rest of the games around the league, you're very concerned. If you're just going to go buy your ticket and sit in Houston, watch them go five and zero, you're having a nice time so far. I mean, this team, this division's getting one playoff team. They're five and three. They've been outscored thirty points, and they're five and three. I think that comes back actually to a good organization, to good coaching. That they're even when they're bad, they just find a way that they're they're okay at least. I feel like the AFC South is. Kind of butt. Just a little bit. Speaking of butt, it's the butt bowl in Cleveland. Back to throw Fitzpatrick. Looks left, now looks over the middle, fires a bullet, caught at the 10-yard line, breaking a tackle in Nunwa. He's at the five, reaches for the goal line. He's in. That's a jet touchdown. What a catch and run by Quincy and Nunwa. And the Jets open the third quarter with exactly what they had to have, a touchdown drive, and they're a point after away from pulling within six. That is Bob Wischusen of WEPN 98.7 ESPN Jets Radio. Quincy Inunua kicked off a big comeback for the Jets, who rallied back from a double-digit halftime deficit and kept their faint playoff hopes alive uh, with a 31-28 win over, yes, the still-winless Cleveland Browns, now 0-8. Mark Sessler, the Browns were fairly dominant in the first half here. They had a 20-7 lead before everything flipped. What happened here? Well, I think Cleveland at their best is a team that has learned to play for about 30 minutes and 30 minutes well, and then you don't have the players or the star power to really hang with a team, even like the Jets, that once Ryan Fitzpatrick who threw for 30 yards in the first half, and they the defense absolutely clamped down on New York's passing game, and it was concerning. Had they had someone that you want to replace Fitzpatrick with, maybe you do it. He looked that bad. But in the second half, Anunua especially, who I think is a, one of the young players in New York on offense, one of the few that you can say you can build around. It's an overpriced, aging roster. He's a young guy that you can latch on to. Played very well, and it's another week where Cleveland's secondary got utterly fried when it mattered. New York made plays in the second half and dominated the final 30 minutes. Yeah, the Jets scored touchdowns in their first three possessions of the second half, taking the lead and uh, never letting go. The the Browns had uh, a touchdown with a few seconds to go that Al Michaels would have loved it after the Mm. two-point conversion. Big time backdoor cover. Well, you're supposed to hint at it. Oh, well, that's why I'm not Al. Yeah. I'm here with you. Exactly. (laughs) You know, it's tough to be Al. Nobody can be. But anyway, so, yeah, the the Jets, they really – uh, they got it done here. And, yeah, and what's been a tough season for New York, uh, Quincy Inunua, Leonard Williams, and when he was healthy, Darren Lee. Those are the three p- positives for me. And uh, I think, uh, Wes, I think we should check in. My old man on this. Oh, yeah. What do you think? Absolutely. Let's do it. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. No doubt about it, he's a big Jets fan. What is he gonna say about the team today? What is he gonna say about the game today? Jets week eight. The Jets came out of the gates terribly, sleepwalking once again, coming out playing terrible on defense and offense. Down twenty-seven at half. Second half, boy, did they play great offensively and defensively. They started to look like the team that we thought they were going to be. Uh, Sorry, Mark. One of us had to go. All right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. My old man, Dad. One of us had to go. One of those Keith Hansis has these turns of phrase that I don't really hear from any other person. Uh, and it, 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 he could be a sitcom uh, star with some of his turns. So one of us had to go, Mark. It was you. Yeah. I mean, it's. Was I not already gone? <laughs> <laughs> well, how describe your. 
your level of gone after this after this game. I I have not listen. I don't. I think people hear too much about the Browns on this show. I I am not attached to the result week to week because I think went into this season having to not be. You knew it was going to be an ugly season. It is ponderous when your favorite team gets lashed week after week. You know, if you're a normal person and you just work a different job, you turn off the television and you you take a six walk, you know, block block walk up to the dive bar and you say goodbye to all this. But if you're here, you have to sit and stew in your own juices and everyone's commentary for the next nine hours as you have to be excited about the San Diego Chargers playing the Broncos. It's a tough spot. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's it well. just an absurd setup. It's a tough spot right now. I mean, and again, this is sandwiched between the Cavs winning the title and the Indians, who by the end of tonight could be World Series champions. The Browns halfway uh, to 0-16. And you look at the schedule, home to Dallas at Baltimore, home to Pittsburgh, home to New York. You know, everything is, is up in the air. I think there was a, a site that said that the Jets game was their best chance to win. I mean, if you're 0-8, the, the, the NFL's so watered down that it wouldn't be surprising to get a win or two at some point, but you can't look at the schedule and say that's the win. You're 0-8. Yeah. Do and, you think Josh McCown should be the quarterback, or should they go with Kessler? I'd rather see – well, I, I, they're very different. They, the, the, the game plan with McCown is to throw the ball deep, and he can do that, and I think that might be better once Corey Coleman cuts back if they're actually going to try to win some of these games. I think they could win some games. They can. I think Kessler – deserves more starts, and I'm sure he'll get them. We probably haven't even seen the final two or three starting quarterbacks that at this point are sitting on a couch somewhere in America. They've had seven different players play quarterback. Just the fact that Josh McCown got through this game is a quality thing, but it was crazy. This was, I mean, Jets were getting fried in this game, and the game just turned on a dime, and Cleveland could not move the ball on offense. But there was one turning point, uh, 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 Mark, I thought. Terrell Pryor, right after the Jets took the lead, Beat Revis, who had another tough game, although it's tough for anybody to cover Terrell Pryor. Uh, and Josh McCown missed him on a deep route. It could be a different game if he hits that throw. Yeah, one final thing, and I, I feel like you know, we, get, we get it with Darrell Revis. It's been, it's been pounded on week after week, but he learned today what a lot of cornerbacks have. That, you, you, Terrell Pryor is still learning certain nuances of the position, still has the occasional drop, but when he's on, he's dominant, and no one can touch him. And Revis was absolutely victimized by him over the first two quarters. And it was kind of depressing watching Revis having to give him, blanket him, and give him, you know, room to, Terrell Pryor room to get the catch initially just to try to shut him down because he can't compete I, one-on-one with him. I likened Revis to late period. Andre the Giant matches or to see a legend and the comments that he had uh, this past week really bothered me. Where to Newsday. He told Newsday, Kimberly Martin, that his body was breaking down and, hey, listen, I'm 31. What can I do? I don't know how Terrence Newman does it. You're supposed to be a leader, dude. You're not supposed to be like making excuses for your terrible season. And it sounded like to me that a guy that was one foot out the door uh, yep. got his last big contract and is now going to let this mediocrity wash this over. This is a guy that re- wants to I restructure like- his contract every single season. He has incredible pride slash something else, and he's not handling it I well at all. I love that guy. I love Revis, uh, but I what he's, what he's done this season, both in his play and, and these comments, I'm, I'm upset. I mean, at this point, I'd be surprised if he's on the Jets next year. 100%. I think he could what be What is done. it, 38, 39 guaranteed they gave him? Yeah, he's got $37 million coming to him one way or the other. And I don't know, you know, those comments made me think, I don't know if it, the light's still on passion-wise. We'll see. Let's move on. The, so one last, you're, to your point on Pryor, he's going to be the highest paid player on the Browns next year, isn't he? Yeah, because... They're going to have to franchise well, tag him or pay him $10 million a they year. They will, and the other thing is they're they're obviously getting rid of anyone else who's high-priced and over the age of 20, 24, 25. 
Is uh, Joe Thomas on the team on Wednesday? I think he is, strangely, but it sounds like you know the reports today that Joe Hayden could be shopped, and Greg suggested in a piece last week that he winds up with the Saints. That wouldn't be the weirdest thing. All right, let's move on. Another AFC matchup. Full steps up in the pocket, fires it for the end zone. Catch me! Hanging on, touchdown! Kansas City! <laughs> Travis Kelsey finds the end zone as Nick Foles puts it right on the money into the hands of the Pro Bowl tight end, Travis Kelsey. Settle down. You don't like that? You don't like the excitement? Just settle down. <laughs> We're almost done, Mark. Nick Foles stepped in for an injured Alex Smith on Sunday and played like an all-pro. Let him have his fun, Mark. Throwing two touchdowns. He already had it. Throwing two touchdowns, including that one to Travis Kelsey you just heard, while posting a passer rating north of 135 as the Chiefs rolled to a 30-14 win over the suspect Colts. The call there, Mitch Holdis of KCFX. Chris Wessling, the Chiefs always seem to take care of business when they should. Yeah, and this on a day when Alex Smith was concussed and Spencer Ware got knocked out of the game. And they still dominated. Andrew Luck had a poor game. He wasn't protected well, sacked six six times, lost a fumble, threw a bad interception. And I think give Greg Rosenthal credit here. Oh, Rosie. Tyreek Hill played like a superstar in this game. Tyreek. Well, you guys were debating Tyreek Hill midway through this game. Well, you were telling me, you know, slow down on the Tyreek Hill as a receiver. You said he's the most exciting rookie to watch, and I would – Right. Like Ezekiel Elliott over him, and I, you were saying that he hasn't been featured as a vertical guy. He's a shorter guy, but he now was they're featured, featured today as a vertical guy. Yep, he maybe he's legit. Alex Smith said he wanted to go downfield to Tyreek Hill. I think it's weird to go downfield to a five foot seven guy or however tall he is, but he's got some ability. The NFL is different now. I don't think he could survive twenty years ago, but he's one of those space players that you that you talk about, and, and his movement is like a young Darren Sproles or someone even a little different than that. His movement's just insane. Wes, you once did one of your top tens, top ten satellite backs, didn't you? I believe I did, yes. Yeah, you sure did, buddy. I think I just wanted to write about Dion Lewis that week. Mm. Yeah, Dion, I, who could be on the horizon. I've got some bad news for you, Dan. Yes. You, uh, you've been drumming up this, okay, pathway to 5-5 five and five for the Jets, right? Yeah. Okay, you got your win against the Browns. You got a couple winnable matchups uh, coming up. May, yeah. Maybe they get there. Uh, we got a situation here in the AFC South, AFC West right now. Okay, we got sure. three teams: six and two, two, six and two, or five and two. We got some good teams in the AFC West. No, it's a problem. Might not be, you know, getting to five and five might still have you a couple games back in the. What's that? What is that I hear? That's the Jets' pulse right now. Oh. <laughs> There's a pulse. It's, I know they are. They are far out of the mix. Don't do this. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. this AFC West is a situation right now. Let's see. Let me take these teams are good. Six and two Raiders. Yeah. Six and two Broncos. And this Chiefs team, who's won three straight, it's a good team. I mean, it's not an exciting team. And the Chiefs have the tiebreaker on the Jets. It's not good. I need the Chiefs to totally collapse. This You're is, right. This game to me is a matchup. When I have to win nine games. Yeah. Nine. I mean, there's the other side to this. <laughs> this, this game to me is a matchup, Chiefs Colts, of two GMs and coaching coaches that were hired around the same time. And one GM and coach, John Dorsey and Andy Reid, are far superior to them. Well said. And, you know, I, I get Andrew Luck is the best player in the AFC South, but I would put my chips in with either a Texans team that's much better coached with Bill O'Brien or a Titans team that actually seems to be gelling to some degree. Where the, Andrew Luck, again, sacks six times. 
It's he's on the run every game. He's taking a beating, and you're asking one guy to be an entire football team. You know how uh, Mark how the Packers annoy you? They're one of those teams that bother you. That's how I feel about the Colts. I, I can't stand them. I feel you. Can't watch them. Really? Don't care about them. They're just a team wasting a generational talent at quarterback because they don't have their stuff together. They are not a true player in their conference. They they might limp to another AFC South title, or they might collapse and go seven and nine or six or ten. Either way, to me, this is not an interesting team, and they got to figure some stuff out. I don't know. That's fair, dog. Well said. Well, let's move on. Which takes us to Sunday night football. Oh, Sunday night. A Sunday night game in which the Dallas Cowboys had a 10-point deficit staring back at them in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles. Dak Prescott not playing well. Twitter starting to buzz about Tony Romo on the sideline, but guess what? Dak wasn't done yet. Neither were the Cowboys. They reel off 10 points in the final period unanswered uh, to tie the game. A Des Bryant touchdown catch. Uh, The big play took them to overtime. First possession, Cowboys go down the field, convert on fourth and one in a major onions moment, get down to the goal line, and then this happens. Elliott in the backfield. Prescott throws wide open. Jason Witten to win the game. Friendly fire got the Philadelphia Eagles. They collide, and Jason Witten... Wide open for the game winner. The game winner to Jason Witten. Final score, 29-23. Oh, a huge Cowboys win. Mark Sessler, you watched it all. The third straight overtime game on Sunday Night Football. And the star was the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, once again. Sunday night. (laughs) Who was that? That was grotesque. That was Al Michael. Not fitting for the game we just saw. I, I, I love what the Cowboys are all about. And the way they climb back into this game and Ezekiel Elliott and the way this team is built, this is the class of the NFC East. And, you know, the whole game, you're watching Twitter heat up with these clowns saying, Dak Prescott, one bad game, you're out of there. How about this? I love the way Jason Garrett believes in his players and you're going to stick with Dak Prescott. You don't bench him right now. This team is built a certain way and you keep riding it. We got to fire it up, Sessler, yelling, don't bury Dak. It's absurd. He's had, he's had a phenomenal rookie season, unlike something we've seen in a long time. In, in one shaky stretch of quarters, has a lot to do against a phenomenal They're, Eagles defense, and people want to bury the guy. It's ridiculous. It. I don't know if it was a bury situation. I th- I think, though, knowing the, who the Cowboys are, knowing who their owner is, knowing Tony Romo being involved, and knowing the media, it was going to be a long week this week. Yeah, uh, And the Cowboys, I think, are influenced a little bit by the media as well sometimes. And I think if he would have struggled and his passer rating was hovering around 50 or so midway through the fourth quarter, if they went down at home with Romo ready to come back, who knows what happens? He has a throw in the red zone as they're going in to tie the game that the Eagles have a chance to intercept and they drop it. And you're right how like narratives and seasons can change on plays like that. If they intercept that pass, the story is that kind of came up small in the big moment. And I'm so glad it didn't happen that way because this was a great gut check moment. We kind of saw what this Cowboys team was all about, especially in overtime, going for it on fourth down. That's why Jay Gruden, you should keep running the ball when you're trying to win the game in overtime because you can go win it. Forget the field goal kickers. But what kind of onions were those hung by Jason Garrett going for that? 
It it was terrific, especially continuing. You got Dan Bailey. What kind of onion? What brand? He- I don't Zeppelin. know. Heavy onions? Walla Walla is a big onion. <laughs> Could have been Walla Walla. <laughs> giant sweet Spanish onions are good. And a red Zeppelin is a big uh, red onion. I'll go with the Zeppelins on that one. I think so. You passed on a 48-yard field goal to go win the ball game. Lock it up, Sid. Oh. Oh, he locked it up, Wes. I did lock up this game. Three and one locks of the week this week. That is by far the best. <laughs> and I, I like that D- Dak won this game on. I mean, wasn't that a Ro- Tony Romo play if you ever saw one? The reverse spin kind of running backwards. Looks like the pass rush is going to get him. And then, oh, well, magically, there's just Jason Witten sitting in the. And Jason Witten, all the North uh, Texas housewives. Oh, I got the vapors. Jason Witten wins the game. My hero. <laughs> this was a thing with you it. during the while we were watching this. Sydney just shrugs her shoulders. I mean, I don't even enjoy doing the show anymore. <laughs> and there's a lot to do with That's Sydney. That's a drop. And there's a lot to do with Greg and Dan and Wes. It's an absurd, why am I here at 9-11 at night? I could be at my house enjoying real life, but I'm here to get interrupted every five minutes by our producer. Wow. <laughs> Sydney, thoughts? It's don't apologize now. <laughs> that means nothing. Sorry, Sid. We're all getting it today. It's your turn. It just it felt incomplete, you know? Yeah. There was a hole. Yeah, there was a I'll hole. I'll show you incomplete. <laughs> Is that a threat? What, what does H- that even mean? What does all right. that mean? Now we got HR on line one. All right, back to the game. Uh, all right, Eagles. Tough loss for the Eagles, though, because you are um, up 10 points. On the road, you have the game in your hands. Would have been tied for the division lead. Would have had a chance to be atop that division, tied, and the the NFC East wide open as we know, but instead you put the Cowboys in the driver's seat. It hurts on a lot of different levels. Weird, weird sequence, I think, by the Eagles. In the fourth quarter, they are in position for a field goal. They do the play where they have their receiver throw the throw down the field. That doesn't work. Then you throw it backwards. On a, yeah, I think bad. that was supposed to be a screen pass. Six-yard loss that puts them out of field goal range, although they could have tried the field goal if they wanted to there, uh, and they punted away. That that sequence really killed them. And Wentz had, you know, Wentz had his chances late in the game. He ends up 4.7 yards per attempt. He was fine, but they, their offense is not good enough. I have if, a question about their approach. Sorry, Dan. Like no, the, go ahead. You have 32 completions for Wentz at 4.7 yards per attempt. They, either, do, they, do they either not trust him in this game to throw the ball downfield based on who they have in personnel, or was it simply this is how we're going to pick apart Dallas? It was effective for a large part of the game, well, but in I, the end, there's no big play. I think their trade talks for Torrey Smith tell us a lot about who they have going downfield right yeah. now, and they're not happy with that. I, like I, the, what you I were think talking it was about. perfect. It was working. They were up it worked in the for fourth a long quarter. Stretch. That was what they wanted and to get they, to. The defense basically blew it. And if they... Just execute there. Even if they play conservative, run it a couple times, uh, but, uh, referring to that sequence you talked about, you're probably lining up for about a 45, 46-yard field goal if you don't get much out of the two runs. You burn the clock a little bit more, and you make that kick that puts them up two scores again, and the game's probably over. So, you know, you got to execute, especially against a good team, and the Cowboys are a good team, folks. They're a tough team, and they get that. The tone setter is a rookie. Ezekiel Elliott is is one of the physically toughest running backs of this era. And look at what they overcame. They overcame a 73-yard holding penalty late in the game. And they overcame a 10-point swing going into halftime when Dak threw that interception. The Eagles came back with a field goal. That's not easy to overcome. Well, and people that want 
you know, Dak to get deep sixed at some point here. You got the Browns next week, so it's not happening then. They could be Cleveland by 30 points. It does get interesting. You've got the Steelers, Ravens, Redskins, and Vikings the month after that. That will tell us a lot about this Cowboys team, but I don't see them as anything other than the class also, of the division. I also don't think there's too many people out there at this point. People like me that have Tony Romo on their fantasy team, maybe. But most people, I think, see what's going on here, which is this is Dak's team, and it just got reinforced on a night where it seemed like it would be the Well, except way. when things got tough tonight, it was interesting to see all these people come out of the woodwork, woodwork with a completely opposite sentiment. It's going to keep happening, too. I mean, that's just the way it and is. Because Tony Romo's a great quarterback. Right, because so he's it's, a, it's one not, of the best quarterbacks of the last 10 years. It's not like it's some chump. Of right. course, it's was just that your MVP you know, pick before the season, Greg. No, I said it, I thought it would be fun to see him go on a, a big playoff run. This is a fork in the road game, though. You look at the NFC West standings. The old the, fork in the road game. The other team has uh, the other teams in the division now all have three losses. Redskins have three losses and a tie. Would have been a tie if the Eagles just finished this mm-hmm. thing out. I mean, this really gives them a, a nice little. This is boost. New, new to the glossary. Fork in the road game. Did the Falcons have a fork in the road game? Was it a wounded dog game? A lot game? of times it's a division game. It was a fork in the road game, sure. <laughs> Not to be confused with a fork committee. Sponsor us, fork company. Slow down. We got a sponsor who I should mention because he will sue the daylights out of us. Mr. Flames economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. He might have some of his suits might be coming after me for not saying at the top of the show. Sorry, Mr. He doesn't have suits. That's what we love about him. That's true. That's true. All right. That's it. Uh, Greg, before we go, You've had a little more time to reflect on this. <laughs> yeah. Your favorite Jewish American uh, sports star of all time. In oh, your lifetime. all time. In You're your saying lifetime. in my lifetime. In your lifetime. Well, I'm going to go right to uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts, where Julian Edelman is slaying him on the field and some of the ladies off the field. What a <laughs> player. And he's lighting that menorah once a year, eight nights. He's a two-tool player? There you <laughs> I, go. I don't know what that means, but he can throw it too. That's three tools. Wow. All right. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Julian Edelman is <laughs> Thanks the answer. for setting me up with that. You got it. All right. That's it. We'll be back on Tuesday. Talk about the Monday night game and whatever else uh, we want. It's our show. Dan Hans is signing off for the Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, and La Cid behind the glass. Till Tuesday. Everybody's going to die. That's the truth about humanity. <laughs> there, there's, your, uh, there's your Easter egg right there. Yeah, happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> you go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.